He's the best of the best of the best. He's a wonderful voice. If you don't like him, you don't have a soul. I'm sure your sister will. Hey, babe, you want to go out? It is episode 59, and we're almost at, at the end. We're almost at the end of season one. Episode 59, we only have one more episode left after this. It's episode 60, and then we start the new season in October. It's season two, we'll be kicking it off then. And I can't wait. I'm excited. I've been pumping out these episodes because we're on a new platform now. Um, we're on another platform. 11 platforms now. 11. It's crazy. I just got the email this morning as I woke up. Where you can now find us on Overcast.fm. You can find the Goof Norton Radio Show. Go on there and view all four episodes that are out currently. After this one will be five, but now 11 platforms. That's insane. Again, it's insane. Every platform we get uh, to have the show on is amazing. It's insane. I love it. And I would uh, want nothing more than... You know, just to keep expanding from here. So we got some interesting news stories uh, listed and ready to go for you guys today. We've got five stories for you guys, and then I've got some other topics I have written down that we will talk about. And the first one comes from a game that has really been hit or miss for me all year. And it's from Rainbow Six. It's it's Rainbow Six news, basically. If you don't know, Rainbow Six has been one of the most frustrating games for me because of the community being so toxic and people, you know, team killing and all that stuff all the time. It, you know, that gets annoying. Mm-hmm. So what I, uh, I... Obviously, what I try to do is play with friends. If I do play the game and I play it for, you know, for, for bonding time, I guess you could say, for time to just chat, you know, goof around and have some fun and more recently obviously people have getting been getting sweaty on casual which is stupid but whatever so the news is uh everything everything coming in rainbow six siege operation ember rise and what it means for the meta there's an article on pcgamer.com where i get all my gaming news if you're anybody interested go to pcgamer.com and check out some awesome articles for your faces Uh, this article is by morgan park and so after weeks of leaks and rumors surrounding Rainbow Six's uh, Operation Ember Rise, Ubisoft has finally unveiled two new operators and a dramatic rework of its strangest map. New attacker Amaru and defender Goyo aren't up are sorry, aren't upending Siege's meta, but they bring along two gadgets that play against established expectations in fun ways. A window bursting grapple hook and a deceptively deadly deployable shield. Amaru, compared to the... Uh, so this is Amaru's description. Compared to the often complicated gadgets of the new... Uh, gadgets and rules of 
new siege operators, Amaru is simple and intuitive. She's a two-speed, two-armor attacker, equipped with a Gara hook, a limited-use grapple hook launcher that, uh, that propels her up to windows or ledges in seconds. Seriously, it's pretty fast. Oh, that's... Oh, no. That's not going to be fun to deal with. So the video, I'm going to leave the article in the description below so you guys can go check it out. And there's a video there as well. It's pretty fast. For siege standards, that's pretty fast and that's not going to be fun to deal with. Um, usually breaching a window is a process. You can run up, you can run up to a wall, slowly repel up a rope and knock out the window manually before vaulting in. Amaro's hook boils that process down to one click. You designate a destination and just go there. With a few caveats, oh, with a few caveats, sorry, I'm, I'm very tired today. Uh, while the Gara hook gives off a uh, gives off serious Apex Legends Pathfinder vibes, you can shoot it off anywhere. It has four uses per round and only works on certain windows, certain, uh, certain windows, ledges, and hatches. Uh, it's purely a mobile mobility gadget, which is a real rarity for Siege. Amaru seems like a niche pick, but I can already feel uh, unique opportunities as a lone wolf inf infiltrator. Her speedy infiltration messes with every player's basic instincts about enemy behavior, while Capcan is placing traps across the map. Confident the attackers are still outside approaching the building, Amaru is already in the next room. She breaks the rules of how fast an attacker can usually get somewhere, and it's bound to catch veterans off guard. That said, the Gara Hook isn't a stealthy gadget. If you're close by, you can hear the uh, launcher reel Amaru. You can clearly hear the launcher reel Amaru in like a trout on a fishing pole. Okay. If she tries to simply burst into the objective immediately, defenders can easily look in her direction and take her down before her feet touch the ground. Amaru is helpless until the entire grapple is complete. So it's, uh, so it's worth it to drone ahead and zip with caution. One notable counter, of course, Castle. The Gar Hook won't penetrate through Castle's barricades. In fact, it won't accept a grapple up to the window at all. Amaro can repel up to the up to the window and place a breach charge, but that sort of thing defeats her purpose. Unless assisted by Ash, Sophia, or a frag grenade. Amaro is pretty much locked out by Castle. The most interesting use of the hook is ha is hatches. Amaro is the first operator who can scale up hatches, not just down. Uh, defenders now have a legitimate reason to reinforce their reinforce a hatch at their feet, which could shift the establishment of wisdom of how to use the team's ten precious reinforcements under the right circumstances. Do we cover do we cover this vulnerable wall or make sure Rico Rodriguez can't zip up from under our noses? Um, one hatch. One hatch climber likely won't make that much of an impact, but it's a fascinating new precedent for siege for the siege meta. Uh, like Nock and Warden, I know that's not how you say her name, but I don't know how to properly pronounce her name. Um, and Warden last season, Ubisoft has gone the route of has gone the route of reusing lesser known weapons for Maru and Goyo instead of creating new ones. There are now a hundred weapons in the game, so so I you know, so I get it. For primary weapons, Amaru takes a pick between a G8, a 1LMG, previously exclusive to IQ, the Habana and Echo's Supernova shotgun, which can now equip a suppressor. Oh, that's fun. It's a non-standard setup. Uh, notice, 
noticeably lacking an assault rifle. A GA81 is a functional primary, but I'll always prefer the balanced recoil and fire rate of an AR. Her secondaries are also non-standard. She can take Jackal's IT-A12S shotgun or the British SMG-11. Both secondaries are interesting modifications on her playstyle. The SMG-11 is powerful enough to operate as a de facto primary weapon, meaning she can take uh, the less reliable Supernova and use its silencer for a quieter hatch and window breaching. Or you can take her LMG and still pop patches with the ITA-12S backup shotgun. So that is all her stuff. Uh, I mean, honestly, it's 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 decent. Uh, she has also she carries a claymore or breach charges. The SMG-11 is a decent gun. It's not that great of a weapon, but you know it's it's decent because I play mute a lot sometimes, um, and having to wait was it mute it is mute yeah because having to switch between um the mp was it, mp5k yeah, that he has and the smg11 it's so it's just it's such a slow switch and i you know I, i've died multiple times because of that i'm like i'm like oh well cool it's fun and it only carries 17 was it 13 or 17 13 17 rounds in a uh, magazine so don't know so on to goyo Actually, no, before that, um, the, the interesting thing here is that she can get up hatches now from below you. Um, that honestly only becomes a problem if there's a hatch, you know, below your room. Like, if there's a hatch below your room, then you know, then you know anybody who's playing Goya is going to probably try that out because it's like, oh, I wonder how this is going to work. So you you can easily guess, okay, if they have a, if you find out they have a Goyo, not a Goyo, I, um, wow, I'm already talking about Goyo, Amaru, then you know, okay, they're probably going to come through here or here, but it's, we were talking about it last night, uh, so I don't, we'll see how it plays out, so on to Goyo, it's been a while since Ubisoft has added a defender as a, as straightforward as Goyo, an objective, an objectively hotter clone of John, freaking, I can't pronounce these names, not cultured enough, the two-speed, two-armor, so these are both two-speeds, two-armors, uh, Defender is equipped with Vulcan shields, deployable shields with black-mounted explosive charges. Vulcan, the uh, Vulcan looks no different than a, fr- uh, from a nor- normal deployable shield from the front, but when it's destroyed, whoa, my phone is freaking out, I'm sorry, uh, but when destroyed, it explodes and leaves a spread of fire in its wake. His shields can be destroyed with traditional means, ash, Sophia, sledge, uh, frag grenades, but defenders can also shoot the red explosive charge to trigger it at will. Similar to popping uh, the air canister on Mira's black mirrors. And I'm looking at the video now. Yeah, there's just like red canisters on the back of his, um, red charges on the back of his shield. Yeah, it's just like it, it's, it's a big box, and you shoot it, and it, it explodes and leaves a trail of fire wherever it is. So that must be fun to deal with. Good to know. The initial explosion deals around 30 damage if enemies are close enough, uh, though the Vulcan's true value is the area denial of the fire. Its area effect is pretty large, especially considering he carries three shields. Are you kidding me? Three? 
three shields. That's a lot. Especially if they can explode, that's a lot of shields. The fire is similar to smoke's gas canisters, uh, but it appears to tick damage faster and kill a bit quicker. Okay, there it is. I was looking for it. I was looking for it. So he's the one who's going to be the hard one to deal with because he's got three shields. Three shields. Now people are going to be a lot more wary of breaking down shields. Um, and then, so where's the... I want to... Let's keep reading and see if there's a balance for it. Because I'm so wondering who's going to be able to counter this guy. Uh, the Vulcan Shield has the advantage and possible disadvantage of being used by... Uh, being able... Being usable by anyone. Once placed, Goyo can leave it up to his team to detonate the shields when the time is right. This is where you can have the most fun synergizing with teammates. Placed in a view, placed in view of Maestro's evil eye, the Vulcan can be detonated by the camera's laser. A laser installed on uh, a doorway. The shield combos nicely with Capcan's EDD traps. Oh, this is going to be the worst guy on defense. Oh boy. He also carries impacts and nitro cells. Uh, vaulting over the shield. Oh, vaulting over the shield detonates the trap, dealing 60 damage which detonates the shield around 30 more damage, followed by fire damage that will likely kill you. So there you go. There you have it. You vault over the shield, you, it costs you 30 damage, and then the detonate the detonation of the shield costs 30 more damage, that's 90, and then you get burned and you die. That's it. You're dead. Oh boy. But Goyo's Valkans also have the potential to be hijacked by attackers. If the angle is made from above or below, it's easy to spot the shield's bright red charge and shoot it when the defenders least expect. There's a light layer of deception to Goyo's shields that I find delightful. Like Mario Kart's traumatizing fake item box, the Vulcan only reveals itself as a trap once it's too late to escape its clutches. The shield is, in, is uh, also inherently interactive, which is refreshing for shields mostly hands-off proximity traps. It requires some strategy and placement and deciding when to fire it up, but its hands-on nature means that it can be useless as often as it's uh, deadly. If an attacker sneaks to the objective unnoticed and happens upon a Vulcan, they can simply vault over it without consequence. All right, then. Cool. Goyo's flexible kit makes me believe he can serve as an anchor or roamer. He can either take the Vector 45 ACP, formerly exclusive to Mira, uh, and the T T S T C S G 12 there we go. God dang, SG-12 shotguns. Uh, slug shotgun borrowed from Cade. The Vector is a very powerful SMG, and it could feel even more so in the hands of a faster operator than Mira. He also has the choice between impact or uh, impact grenades or nitro cell. Yep, as along with his three Vulcans, he's basically a one-man utility truck of defense gadgets. I'm really waiting to see how this is going to turn out and how. Oh, they're reworking Canal. All right, because I hate that map. So, so. If you guys don't know, I, there's a couple maps that I actually do just, I dislike. Uh, Canal is the one I possibly say I hate, just because of the layout of it, and that is the map 
it's there's it's a it's huge like it's it's big in terms of siege maps it's a it's pretty big in terms of siege maps um it's it's a building but it's spread across like two different areas two diff- completely different areas it's only it's bridged by a bridge they're they're connected by a bridge so uh, that's going to be interesting canal i think that's the is that the german map yeah so that oh my gosh the uh, oh well, i'm waiting for the uh i want to see how this map rework looks because I, there's a screenshot here on the article, but it doesn't look, it looks similar, not too different. They just changed the outside colors. I'm, I'm looking, I'm waiting to see what they change on the inside. Because there are some rooms in that, in that building, in that building that are pretty just useless. Um, I mean, they're, I mean, some are just exclusively entry points. They're not really anything else except for that, but that's about it. In Ember Rise, Canal has gotten a huge visual facelift. I've been burned by map reworks before, so I was a little nervous to see how Ubisoft was changing one of my favorite casual maps. The brick and stone style of the East Air Traffic Control Tower has completely shifted to a modern sharp steel style with a distinct red paint job. It's bolder, it's brighter, bolder, sleeker, and seemingly better designed for Siege in 2019. Old Canal has some of the busiest interiors with a lot of items to bump into. Uh, several of these rooms, like West Office Objective, have all been cleaned up without changing their identity too much with Her- Hereford Base. Uh, it felt like UB took a sledgehammer to the whole thing and basically made a whole new worse map. Yeah, that's true. New Canal. New, new Canal. New Canal. <laughs> new Canal isn't that. It has a lighter touch of clubhouse's rework but with more attention paid to upgrading its aesthetics the basic layout of the objective sites are mostly the same but there are some key changes that tackle canal's weaknesses most of all there's a new sky bridge on the third floor that gives players another option for crossing between the east and west buildings this prevents any one path from becoming too much of a choke point while making the third floor objective more interesting many of the maps most exploitative uh, windows have been permanently sealed off, sealed to cut off uh, enterprising dock mains from spawn peaking. Yes, because if there is one thing that I hate, it's being spawn peaked. Stop being so sweaty and cash, you weirdos. And that's something we'll talk about later. Uh, oh, and there's a also a gigantic submarine floating just outside of the map. That's neat. We won't know how just how good the canal rework is until we've bent and broken it over a few months but it gives an amazing first impression. And here's some other updates with Rainbow Six. Rainbow Six is getting an unranked playlist, which has all the rules of ranked without the stress of losing MMR. UB is adding um, a new top-tier rank called Champions that go even that goes even beyond Diamonds. Champion status starts at 5,000 MMR. Ranked now has a squad MMR restriction, so some players won't be able to queue together if their skill is too varied. The goal is to prevent bronze players from inviting their diamond friends to carry them in ranked. Theme Park, Fortress, Hereford Base are are out of ranked. Are you kidding me? And Canal is obviously... Oh gosh, why? But why though? But why? 
See, okay, so here's the issue that I had with ranked, because I'm, as you know, I'm not a ranked player, um, but we've freaking had to play ranked for like the past three days, and it's been angering me. Um, I'm ranked gold three now, I guess, and that's it. I'm, I'm not, if I can resist, if I can avoid playing ranked, I will, um, but there's just too many rounds, um, and it's bomb. I don't like playing bomb. I don't, it, it's, it's, I don't like having two objectives. I like having one objective because that really helps me focus on having a plan to get to that one point. You know, it, it's, it's a lot easier for my brain to work with that. I'm like, oh, oh yeah, give me, don't give me options. Don't give me options. Give me one place to go and we'll be good. Um, but theme park, fortress, and Hereford base. Oh, Hereford base, the, I was, where did I, I started playing Siege like a year and a half ago. I've almost been playing three years now. Oh, I'm sorry. Two years ago, I started playing Siege. Was it two and a half? I can't remember when exactly when I started playing Siege. I think... No, it was before I joined the army. It was before I left for boot camp, sorry. It was after I joined the army. It was before I uh, left for boot camp. But, um... Shoot. I, like, it... I, I was there before when Hereford Base was be, it, before it got reworked, and it was cool. Like that was an okay map. It had basement. It had an upstairs room. I I mean I'm kind of I wish they would have kept the old one, and you know and had the new one there. Like I I really wish they would have done that. Maybe made a separate game mode or something like that, or where you could have the or just have and bring back the options where you could choose which maps you wanted to play on, like. I wish that wasn't only in ranked. I like, I prefer it to be in, I prefer it to be in all the, um, not ranked, we can't choose the maps, but I wish you could choose matchmaking preferences, there we go, that's what I'm talking about, where you could choose which maps uh, you wanted to play. I wish that wasn't only in Terrorist Hunt, because that's only in T-Hunt, and I, um, and I, really, I, re- I wish it wasn't, because that's ridiculous. Uh, so... I kind of yeah I really did I really do wish they kept like their old maps. And heck if it's only in custom then fine at least we get still get to see how it was and compare it to the uh new ones but it is what it is. And then so with theme park and fortress and I forget what fortress even looks like. Fortress has to be one of the new ones cuz I don't recognize cuz the name doesn't bring an image to my head cuz Outback I don't like very much because I don't like I I still don't know the map very well and that's what makes it frustrating to play is now that you don't know what the map looks like on the inside at all like you're confused about where rooms are and you're like okay how do I get here without getting snuck up on by a cav because she is evil in that sense or by any other silent player like freaking bandit likes to be antsy nowadays so the question is how do I get there. So now I wish they'd take out Outback. I mean they shouldn't like here's the thing. I I they should wait till the next season to add the old season's map into ranked. That way it gives people the entire however long it takes them, whether it's a year or whatever, for people to realize, okay, this is what the map looks like. You've had plenty of time to figure it out and look look at it and play it. Um so now we're gonna put it in ranked. So be ready for it. Like, that seems a little bit more fair than just adding it, like, right off the bat. But hey, 
I'm just a player, and my opinion doesn't mean crap. So, this leaves the pool at 12 maps. Season 4's map rework is a theme park, is, is theme park, so it will likely be added back in, back in later in the year. Rainbow Six is jumping on the Battle Pass bandwagon. The program is rolling out in two phases, starting with a free Battle Pass sometime this season. I'm not reading more on that here, because why Battle Pass? Why Battle Pass? Why Battle Pass? That was just the first article. So, there's a lot in that one. I know there's a lot to absorb in that one. But we're going to move on to the next one, because we got another producer leaving their company. So, the lead lead producer of next Dragon Age game leaves Bioware. Fernando Mello, this is an article by uh, Samuel Horty, uh, Fernando Mello is the second producer to leave the company uh, in as in as many days. So Fernando Mello, I know that if that doesn't make sense, I'm just reading it as it is. Uh, Fernando Mello, lead producer on Bioware's upcoming Dragon Age game, has left the studio following Anthem lead Ben Irving, which we talked about, out the out of the exit door. Mello worked as a senior producer on Dragon Age Origins and Dragon Age 2 before becoming director of online development in 2011. In 2015, he left the role to work on the online portion of Mass Effect Andromeda. Andromeda. Yeah, there we go. I said it right. Uh, and was later made lead producer on the next Dragon Age game, Codename Morrison. Mello said he wanted some time to disconnect and explore a couple ideas for the next chapter in my career. Uh, on one of his tweets, he said, Today was my last day at Bioware after 12 years, and that's a heck of a lot of feels. Tonight, I go to write my name up at our local pub, alongside many other amazing peers over the years, and it reminded me of a lot of folks no longer here that I miss dearly. In a parting email to his Bioware Ed- Edmonton, colleagues, which you can see in the tweet uh, thread above, which I read, Mello said, uh, Mello said Morrison was well underway to becoming the definitive Dragon Age experience. I'm incredibly pr- proud and honored to have played a part in that, and I'll eagerly, I'll be eagerly awaiting the opportunity to experience the next Dragon Age as a fan this time around. Last month, a short story collection all but confirmed the setting for the next Dragon Age game. So that's the second producer to leave Bioware. So we had the Anthem lead producer, and now we have the Dragon Age lead producer leaving. My question is, what's going on? Now, I'm sure people leave, you know, people leave companies and all that stuff all the time. I'm not, that's not an unfamiliar thing, and that's not uncommon. Um, I've had my fair share of that, so I don't really, like, I left my security job, but for good purpose. Uh, but I just want to know, you know, what's going on, what's going to be next for these guys and where they're going to go. And I, what does this mean for Bioware? You know, what are they going to do now? How, you know, they, I haven't seen any responses from them, but it's going to be interesting to see where they go from here. So we have some other news in dark developer really reveals why he turned down Epic store exclusivity. So the developer of horror-filled puzzle of the horror-filled puzzle game Dark, D R A D 
D-A-R-Q, I can't spell even though I'm reading it, turned down an Epic Games Store exclusivity deal, he revealed this week, and has called on Epic to allow indie games to sell simultaneously on the store and via Steam. Epic contacted Vlad Marhulitz, the solo developer behind Unfold Games, three days later three days after he revealed Dark Steam release date. On July 30th, I was contacted by Epic Stores uh, proposing that I enter into exclusivity agreement uh, with them instead of releasing Dark on Steam, he said. In a... chance to talk about money. Now that's a that's an that's an that's an interesting way to put it now. They made it clear that releasing dark non-exclusively is not an option. Those are very serious words there. Let's keep reading. Dark came out on Steam this week and Marhulitz said he'll probably make less money selling through Steam than he would if he had accepted Epic's deal, which included a minimum revenue guarantee. The idea of getting some upfront payment on top of guaranteed revenue sounds great, but he didn't want to break a promise to players who expected to buy the game on Steam, he said. Turning down the Epic exclusivity offer might have been a foolish decision short term in the short term considering the amount of money that might have been involved. When thinking long term, however, this was an easy and obvious decision to make in my case. Pulling the game off of Steam a few days after Steam release date announcement would forever ruin the credibility of my studio. I would like for my customers to have confidence that my words mean something, especially when making an announcement as crucial as a release date slash platform. Uh, this is, we're only like halfway through the article, but this so far is, this is, this makes Epic look kind of like a jerk because the, uh, saying that, saying that they made it clear that releasing Dark non-exclusively is not an option. That is, um, that's some, that's some real. That those are serious. Like those are serious words from some from from Epic. Um, Epic seems to be getting too big for their britches now that they think they're they run things. Uh, I know they're popular, but mm, they need to be put back in. They need to be put back in line with the rest of the companies here um sounds like they think they're the big head honcho this isn't the mafia people not over here trying to cut throats and all that make people disappear and then saying that oh he'll probably make make less money uh selling through steam but he 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 had a commitment and he's keeping with it and that right there is something that i personally would appreciate from a company if they say hey we're going to release this game on uh, Steam, we're going to release this game on PlayStation, Xbox, Nintendo, wherever, and it's going to be on this date, and if they don't come through with that, I'm going to be like, okay, where's the game? I'm going to, you know, be like, where's the game, guys? I'm going to be tweeting at them and being like, hey, where's the game? If it turns out that they, you know, uh, well, I wouldn't call it, I mean, I, a lot of people would call that selling out. just just but why would he move and break the deal with his with his um with the consumers with the players just for a little extra cash and short term it's yeah short term they're right it is foolish but 
long term, like this dude, he, he obviously knows what he's doing. So he was smart to turn them down. So uh, the article continues to say he wanted to give players as many options as possible. He said he he's also selling the uh, game through GOG, for example. I wish the Epic Game Store would allow indie games to be sold there non-exclusively as they do with larger, still unreleased games, Cyberpunk 27, uh, 2077, so players can enjoy what they want, a choice. Marhulitz stressed that he's not speaking on behalf of other developers and that for some studios accepting uh, an Epic exclusivity deal might be might be the best plan long term. Every indie studio has a unique story and has to deal with a unique set of obstacles. The the reasons are mine and mine only. Rejecting such an offer happened to be right for my game, but not but might not be right for other games or slash studios as their goals and long term plans might differ from mine. Epic Games CEO Tom Sweeney commented on the case after on Twitter after Mark Kern, team lead for Vanilla World, uh, wow, World of Warcraft, said uh, it was not right for Epic to disqualify Dark from the Epic Games Store just because they turned down an exclusivity deal. Thank you, Tim. Uh, so Mark Mark Kern tweeted, "Okay, so the devs of Dark were approached by Epic for an exclusivity deal. They turned it down, but Epic refused to put them on the store. If if true, that's not right." Uh, and then Tim Sweeney tweeted, replying, Hi, Mark, we're still in the early hand-curated days of the Epic Games Store where we can only accommodate a small number of releases. And he put a uh, article to the announcing of the Epic Games Store, online store pioneers, 88% revenue share, and blah, 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 blah. So this is, woo. Like, they really, like, it, they're, they're getting to getting into, like, threatening territory, and that's not right at all. But you should never disqualify somebody because they turned down your exclusivity deal because they feel like it's... Because they, they feel like it's a bad business move for them. Um, like, you should... Like, that should never disqualify you from being on somebody's site. Oh, hey, you don't want our exclusivity deal? You don't, you know, you don't want the money from us? You just want the money from, you know, your game solely? You want people just to enjoy your game without having, without uh, being able to have it uh, on an exclusive, only exclusive platforms, you know, ex- exclusive places just like just our store. But he's right. Like this, this, this maximizes. This honestly maximizes his um, his his profit here because if <coughs> sorry, joking, there's my water. But if he has it on more than one platform, the odds of him making more money are you know, obviously higher, just like my odds of, but odds of people hearing my podcast are higher because they're, it's on more platforms. It's, it's something as simple as that. Oh boy. I'm sorry. <laughs> I got something stuck in my throat. I have to drink some water. Whew, that was weird. So we're going to take a break now, uh, just a short, quick break. And we're going to go to our sponsor, And then we'll be right back. All right. Welcome back, everybody. We are here still. And so far, we've had some interesting news stories. Like, that was just, what was that, two news stories we only got through. We had five articles lined up. I don't know if we're going to get through all five because I still have some stuff I want to talk about. So I think what I'm going to do is go through one more story and then we'll talk about the topics I had written down. 
And just so you guys know, episode 60 may be a, like, it's going to be a long, it's going to be a long one. Here's why. Because I'm finishing off the series, uh, finishing off the season. And if you guys want to check out the rest of the season, I know some of you guys who are listening to this for the first time on a different platform who don't know me outside of YouTube. All my podcasts previous to the episode, episode 55 is, which is where I, yeah, which is where I started. They're all on YouTube. I started my podcast on YouTube, so that's where they all are. From episode one, all the way up to the episodes, up to this episode, which is the most current one. If, you, if you're watching this on YouTube, you're watching this late. These episodes have already been released on other platforms, which you can find me on uh, by going to anchor.fm or going to Spotify, going to Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Overcast, Pocket Casts. You can find me on Spreaker and SoundCloud. That was weird. Sorry, I just got a text and I was like reading that out. Um, hold on, let's get the rest of the platforms here. So yeah, Anchor, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Breaker, Overcast, Pocket Casts, and Radio Public. You can find me on Spreaker, Spreaker, and SoundCloud, and as well as YouTube. Mm-hmm. So you have plenty of options of where to find me. So uh, you better get out there and find those podcasts. And it's almost guaranteed to be a good time. Because you're going to miss something. I guarantee you're going to miss something. So if you uh, if you want to support the podcast, go on anchor.fm. I will leave that link in the description as well, wherever you find this podcast. And support the show. You can become a subscriber of the show. You can become, Sorry, you can become a supporter of the show for just as little as a dollar a month. A dollar a month. It's the price of a candy bar, these days at least. You'd be supporting the show and helping me grow this. So in the previous part of the show, we had Rainbow Six News. Oh, we got through three articles. Okay, no, that was right. We got through three articles. We got uh, Rainbow Six News, Epic Games News, and some another lead producer leaving. So we got some Minecraft news for all you Minecraft players out there. Official ray tracing support is coming to Minecraft. This is by Jody McGregor. So we've seen some modders adding path tracing. Adding, sorry. Drinking water is uh, not a good idea before I actually start reading. We've seen modders add path tracing, which is similar to ray tracing, to Minecraft with impressive effects. But now, NVIDIA uh, have announced... They're working on official ray tracing support for it. This is only a week after the Super Duper graphics pack was canceled for being too technically demanding for Minecraft. Here's how uh, here's how they describe the benefits of upgrading a voxel-based game in this way. Lighting is upgraded to real-time global illumination, enabling light realist realistically uh, illuminate. Okay, yeah, I was. I almost did not read that word. Like enabling light to realistically illuminate blocks, the buildings, and the buildings uh, as the world is modified. Emissive blocks like glowstone and lava can illuminate environments along with other dynamic game elements. Water, glass, and other reflective surfaces show accurate real-time reflections mirroring their surroundings. The good news is that this upgrade will it's uh, will itself be moddable, and so in. So new in-game designs that were previously impossible become a reality. Be those a spooky ravine that fades into darkness, 
filled with hostile mobs, uh, drawn to the light of, of the player's torch, fun houses made of mirrors or caves that glow in the precious resources or dangerous lava within. According to, the po- according to Polygon, we can expect ray tracing to arrive in Minecraft within the next year. So isn't that awesome? I have honestly... Well, I, I was on my Minecraft uh, binge, I guess you could say, like months ago. So I'm, everybody's coming back to it now. I'm like, well, all right. So something I wanted to talk about uh, is outside of the gaming news. Actually, one of these, or actually, I'll go through two of these. One of these is outside of the, is uh, one of these is outside of the gaming world. One of these is inside. So the one that's in the inside, it's a small pet peeve of mine, and I don't know why it is, but it always bothers me when someone in a Facebook group, usually this is where I find them, uh, they post their gamer tag, and they're like, "Add me," and I'm like, "I want to, but." what games do you play? <laughs> like, I don't know what games do you, what games you play. And it's like, for me, I don't know why it's frustrating because, and I think it's because mostly because I, um, I'm like, I really want to add you and I want to be your friend, but I can't, if I don't know what games you play, just, you know, and, and that's the hardest part. I'm like, it doesn't make sense for me to just add you and then find out later. Like, Oh, you don't play the games that I do. You don't have any of the games that I do. Cool. Great. Now I'm just, uh, and like, and I don't talk to people just in chat while I'm playing a different game a lot. I don't do that often. I only do that. It's a rare occasion. Um, if it's like friends that I'm like, they, while they play COD, I play rainbow six waiting on them to switch over to rainbow six. That's a different thing. But, uh, I know that they're coming over to a game that I'm, that we all can play. Um, but just talking to someone in general, like that's not my thing usually because either I'm recording or I'm playing with or I'm playing with someone. So that's the only two things that I do on my Xbox anymore. I don't really play for leisure, which is bad because I need to start playing for leisure or else I'm going to burn myself out. Um, but because what I, because what I end up doing in these groups is I end up, I, when I post, you know, something about add me, I post, okay, Hey, Hey guys, I'm new to the group or whatever. Here's the, here are the list of games that I play. Here's a list of them. So you can look through them and be like, Oh, I play that game. Let me add you. Let me put my gamer tag below, you know? Um, and that's how you find people. Like, tell me the games that you play straight out the gate. So I don't have to go out and ask you. You just tell me, Hey, this is the, these are the, these are the games that I play. Bam. Now add me if you play any of these games. Cause you know, it doesn't make it doesn't make too much sense outside of that. But if you're, if you're a gamer who just talks to people, you know, in voice chat or, uh, sorry, in party chat while you play another game and while you two are playing two separate games, but you don't, guys don't ever plan to play the same game like at all. Cause you guys don't have any similar games. Let me know. Cause I don't know if anybody, I don't know anybody who personally does that, you know, cause usually like if you, if you're on the uh, Xbox chatting, usually playing in the same game or you're getting ready to. So that's, that's the only way I've known it. Um, that's where I'm going to leave it. So the last thing I want to talk to you guys today, um, is about a little bit about kindness and about being helpful to people. If someone doesn't know something, help them. If someone doesn't know something, help them because everybody, no, nobody knows everything. It's a common thing that people say, but it's absolutely true. It's so true. It could not be more true. It's not, you don't know everything. And if a person doesn't know something that you know about, 
then tell them like, Hey, I like, Oh, Hey, it's like this, you know, now, you know, you know, don't be, don't be a douchebag about it either. Just be kind and be like, just help them out. And here, here's the one thing that I hate when people don't know something and they're like, Oh, you don't know about that idiot. Then not only do they not know still, but they also feel terrible and that doesn't help them at all. You're not solving the problem. You're making the problem worse and making that person feel like crap because you because you were fortunate enough to know this information. Not everybody grows up the same way, goes through, you know, the same uh the same type of schooling. I mean nowadays they do because of common core, but common core is stupid. Uh but everybody, you know, everybody goes to different schools and all that stuff. Like and that happened with me. Um and I and I have had to realize that okay I was in in some cases I was wrong you know because I I've been guilty of this before, but obviously now I don't do that anymore because that's terrible now that I know it's terrible. Um, but if someone doesn't know something, just be like, hey, you know, what's this? And I'm and I make a conscious effort to if someone doesn't know something and they and they ask, um, then I tell them, oh yeah, it's this, it's this, you know, it's not. It's, it's not that contrary to popular belief. Like my parents didn't know that almonds, um, like my parents didn't know that almonds were, uh, not as good for the environment as you, as you think. Hold on. Let me pull this up again on my phone. Cause I did have one more topic for you guys that I, I kind of forgot. Um, hold on. Because it's, it's, oh, oh boy. Sorry. Okay. There we go. So, uh, almond, California, well, it's the California almond industry. Sorry, I had to take a, I had to actually make sure I had to find the same thing I was looking at. So, um, they're responsible for 80% of the production of, um, of almonds and almond milk and all that stuff. So, what happens is, uh, they take a, what is it, a, trucks or something one they have about 1.6 million honeybee colonies just to pollinate their almonds um and it's and that's not necessarily bad thing right uh but it could be bad but it could be better if they if they were just allowed to come and go as they please rather than just keep rather than just um being kept in one place and it takes one gallon per almond. If you're one gallon of water, I should say, not one gallon of milk, but one gallon of almond. One gallon of water. What am I saying? Uh, and that is, uh, oh boy, that's a lot of water. And it and it honestly kills me to see how much water it takes to produce one almond. Like it, it, it's literally insane. One point one. 
Well, 1.1, but one gallon of water per almond. To grow one almond. That's a lot of water. So that's why I'm not an almond milk drinker. Um, oh, so, and also last thing I had to talk about today. So a lot of people uh, I've seen in the past year or so get persecuted and all that stuff for things that they've said years ago. Four years ago, five years ago, you know, ten years ago. And honestly, get over it. I, I, honestly, I'm going to say get over it. Because do people not change? Does, is change not a, is not, can people not become better? Can people not better themselves and over, over time in life? Is that not a thing that's allowed anymore? Can we not? Once, we're, once we say one thing bad, we have to be bad forever. You know, because I know for one thing, I sure have, I've said things before in the past when, you know, back when I was a teenager, you know, all grungy and all that stuff. I'm like, life's terrible. Um, and uh, I'm like, now I'm like, yeah, no, I don't really feel that way anymore. Can I, am I not, are we not allowed to change? Are we not allowed to go through life? And be different. Like, people's opinions change about stuff. All the time. All the time. Um, like, I, like, I, I remember saying that I wouldn't, that the military was not for me. Oh, but here I am two years in. And I'm doing just fine. And I'm enjoying myself a little bit. A little bit. Only a little bit. Not that much. Only a little bit. Uh, for certain parts. Um, but here I am enjoying the benefits and all that stuff. So, uh, I mean, it's, it's people, people can definitely change. And that was within, you know, a year or so. Um, so people say stuff all the time and, and if it's, and especially if it's in the way in that that's why I don't hold people's pasts, you know, I don't hold their past over them because it's ridiculous. People can change. Some people want to change. Some people have been bad. They've said some really terrible things, but they try to, you know, they have to, they spend the rest of their days, you know, trying to correct that and make up for it. Um, and just be better because of that. But yet there's people who are alive on this planet that decide it's a good idea to bring them down and bring up that old stuff that, well, remember you said this, it means you're still a terrible person because that was back in, in 2000. You said that back in 2000, it's 2019. You're obviously still the same person 19 years later, even five years later, one year later. You can still, you can change who you are. So, don't hold them, don't hold that stuff over them so, so harshly. It's ridiculous and it's rude. Um, if someone is trying to change and if someone is honestly making an effort a conscious effort to change themselves and to not be that person anymore let them help them encourage them be like hey man you're doing good you know you're not the same person you used to be i, I like to i like to see that you're improving that's good that's awesome let's get some let's keep let's keep up the good work there don't hold them down that's ridiculous it's like cuz if I held, if somebody, if anybody, a group of people held you down for every mistake that you made, you're like, oh, you're that, you're that same idiot who didn't know one plus one was two the first time. You're that same idiot who didn't know how to tie his shoes. You're that same idiot who didn't know how to do his taxes the first time. You wouldn't like that very much. You'd be like, I know how to do this now, but no, no, you're still the same idiot who didn't know how to do that five years ago, six months ago, yesterday. So it, it's, it's... It's frustrating to see that that hap- to see that happen to people, um, and it that's 
one of the things that makes me freaking shake my head at humanity and being like, oh, wow, you guys are really, really holding this over this guy, even though he's making a conscious effort to change and he's really trying his best not to, you know, go back to the old way of living that he was. Um, but sure, yeah, no, he's, he can never be new, can never be changed ever. Never. Get over yourselves, people. Act like you guys have been perfect all your lives that you haven't. Guarantee it. Ugh. It's just... It's just, it's so frustrating to know that that's a thing. It Like, it really is disappointing to know that's a thing. Like, oh, yeah, these people out here think they've never made a mistake in their lives. But if somebody held that freaking over their heads, they would be, they'd be like, guys, stop. What are you doing? I, I, I changed. <sighs> so be kind. Be kind. Or else you'll make yourself look like a fool. Thanks, everybody, so much for listening. Hope you guys enjoyed this episode. If you want to check out the episode elsewhere, you can find me on Anchor. You can find me on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. You can find me on Spotify. You can find me on Breaker, Overcast, uh, Overcast, not Overcasts, uh, but it's Overcast, Overcast.fm. Um, and then you can find me on Pocket Casts, Radio Public, YouTube, SoundCloud, and Spreaker. Those are all the places where you can find me. And it is amazing that we are on so many different platforms. And I hope that we keep expanding and hopefully get more sponsorships in the future. If you want to uh, support the show, you can. And you can also listen to, you can also leave a um, a voice message. Uh, if you're a listener, you can also include a voice message in, uh, send a voice message to me. And I can pro- I'll probably end up playing it on the show for the 60th episode or something, or for a, a, a milestone episode, whatever. So uh, yeah, if you want to support the podcast, you can support it for the low, 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 low cost of just a dollar, a dollar a month, just to support the show. Five dollars a month, ten dollars a month. I don't think it lets you go, let you go past that because that's would be ridiculous. But um, yes. These are low prices. Low prices. Less than a Netflix subscription. Next, less than a uh, Amazon Prime subscription. Come on. Support the show. Help me keep it running. But other than that, thanks guys so much for listening. And hopefully I will see you guys in the next video. Peace.